From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Good morning, church. We're going to pray before we open up the word, and you can just bow your heads with me. Father God, thank you for who you are. There's so many people that come from our different lives today. I don't know what their weeks have been like, but I know what my week's been like. Jesus, you operate out of our weakness. You operate in moments of strength. You were there in the valley, and you were there on the mountaintop. God, I heard in a song this morning, may I breathe out your praise as I breathe in your peace. I want to breathe out your praise while I breathe in your peace. Lord, thank you for who you are, what you have done, and what you continue to do. In your name we pray. Amen. When my husband, which feels so funny to say, uh, proposed to me, he had a very eloquent speech prepared. He talked about the meaning of my name and what it meant for him as I've blessed him as a, as a partner in life. And it was just so, so beautiful. I still remember it. And all I could muster up was, uh-huh. Uh-huh. How's tomorrow? Yeah, let's get married tomorrow. Uh-huh. All I got. Have you ever been in a moment where you were at a loss for words? Honestly, I was, I was stuck. I had nothing good to say. And often I feel that way, but I often feel at a loss for good words. Feel at a loss for good words. And what I would have loved to say is shriek and go, yes, I would love to support you as your wife and be one in Christ forever together. Wouldn't that have been so much, like, just like say something holy instead of, "Uh uh-huh. All I had was a grunt and a joke, which is very like me, but I was at a loss for any good words in that moment. Now, Zach is the greatest husband I could ever imagine, will attest, but it's not like he's proposing to me every day. When I feel that I am at a loss for good words, most often it's in moments of prayer. I come to the throne at the feet of my Savior, and I feel like, this is so silly. He already knows everything I want to say. He knows how I feel. He knows how my day went. I find myself so speechless when I'm with my Savior. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt that way, Parkway? Okay. This is not rhetorical. I want you to raise your hand if you felt that way. We're going to be honest with each other. Ever felt like you've gone to Jesus and you just sat there being like, I have nothing left? You know, and maybe you don't speak in tongues yet, so you don't have that moment where you can come to Jesus and have no words to say. And you just have, "Uh uh-huh, uh, you know, you have nothing left in you. We know from Romans 3.23 that we all will fall short of the glory of God. I am sure that there have been times in each of our lives where all we can muster up is a muffled cry. When we're at a loss for words at the foot of our Savior, it's very, very easy to feel inadequate. It's easy to feel like anything we could say wouldn't suffice, and it couldn't suffice. It could never describe. 
how much you love Jesus, how much you're trying to love Jesus, how much you really, 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 really want to love Jesus, even though it's hard. This morning, we're going to encounter together a woman in Scripture who did not let that feeling stop her. She's an inspiration. In fact, I believe she will go down in history as one of the most faithful women ever. And together this morning, we're going to see how she too experienced a loss for words in a time of despair. So as you turn or scroll to 1 Samuel 1 and 2, I'm going to set the stage for you. Her name is Hannah. She's not just a faithful woman. She was faithful when no one else was. No one there is this time in history where Israel was under the jurisdiction of the judges. They had no king yet. This is before that. It was basically 300 years of the most sinful behaviors you can imagine. Even Eli, the high priest's sons, they, they were also priests, okay? These two priests, they used their spiritual positions for their own gain and licentious pursuits. I use that word for the little ears in the room, but they were bad, okay? Awful. And they did it with the name of Jesus on their backs. She was faithful when no one else was. And in this culture, in the face of that culture, Hannah sought the Lord above all else. She was the faithful woman of that time. Her name actually means graciousness or favor. And as we journey further into our experience at the feet of Jesus today, we're going to find this to be true. And I don't want to assume that all of you know this story. There's some details that are easy to overlook. We just have the Bible, the story from Sunday school in our heads sometimes. But we're going to go back, understand who she is, why she did what she did, so we can understand why she praised God so fully in chapter 2. Does that sound good? Okay, 1 Samuel chapter 1. Something we know. This biography gives us something that we find a lot in scripture. There's a woman who can't have a baby. God does something really, really cool because someone really big is coming. Does that happen more than once in scripture? Happens a lot in scripture that the Lord opens the womb of a woman to usher in a new era that he works through somebody else. So we're going to see that today. We know that Faithfulness to God brings abundance and no lack in our lives. God loves setting the stage for a dramatic moment for his glory to be shown off, right? That spotlight, just on him, exactly as it should be. So, 1 Samuel 1, we begin with hus uh, Hannah's husband, Elkanah, in verse 2. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Verse 4. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and to all of her sons and daughters. She had many. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival, the other wife, Peninnah, kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she wept and would not eat. Now that's some vicious taunting, honestly. 
She could not eat. We see that the anxiety and grief has built up in her, that it's compounded. Verse 10, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. Hannah did not pity herself, and she did not respond in kind when she was provoked by others. I can't necessarily say that about myself. Can you say that about yourself? Parkway, have we not learned? Can you say that about yourself? When somebody is provoking you to the point of weeping and not being able to eat, do you hold your tongue every single time? It was years for this woman. Years, and it was a very painful and shameful thing in that culture that she couldn't even bear one child. Her priest, her husband, and his second wife that she had to live alongside all misunderstood her grief in some way, as we're going to see. And I'm sure all of us can relate to that. Now, the head priest Eli was there, and we read in verse 12 that Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought that she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Okay, honestly, she's very much living up to her graciousness because I feel like I would have been offended by that. Honestly, like I'm praying at the altar, and my pastor comes to me and says, are you drunk? <laughs> you know, no, I'm, I'm praying. She says, not so, my Lord. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Verse 16, do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. He blessed her for her faithfulness to pursue God's will in the midst of grief. Verse 18, she said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. We enlarged it real big by accident. That's fine. May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went on her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Honestly, snacks do fix everything. I love that in the Bible, the Lord's just like, go have a snack, you're gonna be okay, it's, it's all fine. But honestly, she experienced healing immediately. Her appetite returned after years of taunting. But I love the way that, the way her face looked actually changed, enough to be documented. There was a physical response to the supernatural work going on inside of her body. I think that is beautiful. Looking at her, they knew that God was there and he was doing something. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. Big shocker, we know. She named him Samuel, and she said it was because I asked the Lord for him. Still, she's not forgetting what the Lord has done for her family. Nine months into it, she's got the baby. She says, this baby is Jesus, all Jesus' baby. Verse 24, after Samuel was weaned, she took the boy with her to Eli, young as she was. 
to the priests, back to the priests at the temple. And she said to him, pardon my Lord. As surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. And Samuel worshiped God there. And after that, she walked away and she praised God. When my mom left me at college, we both sobbed, okay? But she walked away praising the Lord because she knew what a gift this child was. And she left him with a man she barely knew. If Hannah had never had the child, she would still have gone down in scripture as a woman of faith. Hannah's not a woman of faith because she sought the Lord while she was in distress. Anyone can do that, okay? But because she realized that only God could answer her questions and that only he could provide the comfort and purpose in life that she so desperately sought, she knew he would provide. He was faithful, so she would be faithful. Unlike Sarah and Rachel in scripture, honestly, most of us, Hannah took her grief directly to God. She didn't proclaim it on the streets on the way there. Okay, she didn't hang back and talk about it at the coffee corner in the temple, okay? She went right to Jesus and wept loudly and prayed to him. Eventually, Hannah's son Samuel will become Israel's last judge, the end of an era. And then he would be the prophet and priest and the man who anointed the first kings of Israel, Saul and David. I think that's beautiful that we know that the Lord opened her womb because of her faithfulness, but not just any old baby. Baby that would end years and years, centuries of sinfulness, and that it would place a king over Israel for authority. I think that's beautiful. So what do we learn from Hannah's acts of faithfulness? We learn to be, be persistent in prayer, we know that God's going to open her womb and bring her not only one child, a son, but even more than that, that she was faithful to give her first fruits. And so he blessed her with more. The scripture says that she has many children. And isn't that just how he works? I don't know if you've noticed it, but when you tithe, the Lord is faithful to bless you and walk alongside you. That giving our first fruits is exactly what he asks so despite what we know his answer to be, in the midst of feeling distraught and lost, Hannah persisted in prayer while she was being mocked and persecuted for her faithfulness. Parkway, the world will not see your heart, but the Lord will. He shows here in 1 Samuel 1 and 2 that he's going to honor that faithfulness. And it's hard going for a long time sometimes, right? but he shows that he will honor it. The next thing we learn from Hannah is to surrender your all before God. Don't sit here week after week and continue to hold back from him. He asks for 10% of your finances, but he asks for all of you, head to toe, all of your heart. And in order for this relationship to work, he needs all of you. If you give him half, it's not how it works, guys, at all. Final thing we remember from Hannah's faithfulness is to remember God's faithfulness. 
in these times of speechless despair in your life, remember what he's done for you. I was told this week by another pastor that they have a journaling practice called their fame journal, and every time they see God do a mighty work in their life or someone else's life, they document it. Date, time, weather, document what God did so that they can go back and reflect on how God provided in the past so that in times of dryness, they can see how God will provide in the future. Isn't that beautiful? I loved that. A book dedicated to a glimpse of his glory to encourage us in the valley. Now for me, I am primarily a verbal processor, as poor Pastor Call knows. Um, I approach scripture, I try to read it out loud because that's how I can best process it, imagine it, retain it, understand its message. And if that's you, I highly, highly, highly recommend that strategy. It has really changed my life. That being said, when I first sat down to read Hannah's prayer, I kept thinking about Mary. And I thought, that's really odd. Like, I don't know why I'm thinking about Mary while I'm reading in the Old Testament, but after a while, I couldn't shake the feeling, so I flipped over to Luke chapter 1, Mary's prayer of praise after she feels the Christ child leap in her womb when she talks to her cousin Elizabeth. And the comparisons were huge. They were huge. I'm going to read it for you in Luke 1. You stay in Samuel 2 for Samuel 2. Mary prays, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Now we go back to Hannah's in 1 Samuel chapter 2. My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn or strength is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do you hear the similarity of heart between those? Not word for word. I will attest to that, but the similarity of heart. In fact, I would say that Hannah's prayer was fulfilled by Mary's. Hannah's prayer as she left her beloved son with Eli at the temple has strong messianic properties in it. In fact, I would say that Mary would have actually been reciting scripture from her memory in her prayer that in a moment of speechlessness, she realizes, hello, the Savior of the world is in my body. She pauses and remembers God's faithfulness and prays a prayer very similar to Hannah's, that God opens the womb and brings somebody very important into the world to end an era and to begin a new one. Amen? Mary's praise is an echo of Hannah's faithfulness. Both of them surrendered their darling firstborn sons. They surrendered them to the Lord and to a life of ministry and whatever that may bring. I want so much to be as faithful as Hannah and to be as virtuous as Mary, that in my next moment of speechlessness, I might not like excitedly grunt, but instead I could proclaim Holy is the one who heard my cry. Holy is he who saw his humble servant. 
When your kids leave Sunday school, what do you usually ask them? What did you learn? Yeah, what did you learn? Okay, here's a tough question for you. You're driving home, parents, and in the back of the car, in a tiny car seat, there's a little voice. And what did you learn today, Mom? Now, I don't believe that we've done our jobs up here unless all of us, including myself, walk away having experienced closeness with the Lord in some way. Be that in worship, through pre-service prayer, communion maybe, or if you receive practical spiritual life tool that you can take into your daily walks with the Lord coming to a stage near you, let me ask you, Parkway, what did you learn today? Here are, here's your cheat sheet, okay? Because I happen to know that your kids are being coached right now on how to ask you what you learned today in the car on the way home. You're going to say, one, I learned that prayer is a powerful tool. Amen? Two, I learned how to pray through scripture. And we're gonna walk through that in a second together. Do you believe that God's verbal words created all that we see, know, and experience? Do you believe that? That he spoke the world into motion and he said it was good? So, words matter. How we use them matter. So how do we pray? In these moments when I have no good words to say, and it happens a lot, I like to pray through scripture. It's by far the easiest way to pray when you have nothing left to say. And in fact, if you can flip to the Psalms, they are actually designed, designed to be prayed. Prayers that have gone before you. On this subject, John Piper himself says, open the Bible, start reading it, Pause at every verse and turn it into a prayer. It's very simple. It's as simple as it needs to be. It is a beautiful way to pray over your marriage, over your children, over those in your circle who don't have a closeness with the Lord yet. As Zach and I moved into our first home earlier this year, we prayed over the structure of our home, that it would stand firm, that the Lord would be there, and that all who walked in would experience peace, and love. In fact, I'm going to remind you that we believe that God's words are perfect, right? So, would praying them right back to him not be like the best music to his ears? We have to practice, okay? So, praying back to him what he gave to us, wouldn't that just be so glorifying to him? The words he gave us to give him life. We speak it back to him in faithfulness and praise that he has given us life through them. It is just beautiful. So it's very, very simple. As John Piper said, okay, we're going to go through a passage line by line. We're going to talk to God about what comes to mind. And if you don't get a verse, you just move to the next one. Okay? If you don't understand it, next one. Okay, we're going to do a pretty popular passage, Psalm 23. You can go to it if you want. No pressure. I'm going to read it for you. And we're going to actually do this together. I'm going to read the verse, respond in prayer myself for you to hear an example of what I would pray. And then I'm going to give you a moment of silence. We love silence for you to pray yourself. Okay? It might feel slow. It might feel quiet. 
You're gonna be very aware of how loud you're breathing, but we're gonna go very slow. So I'm going to read a line like, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing, and I will pray, and then leave room for you to pray in your own hearts, okay? And then I'll move to the next one. Game on? Okay, let's bow our heads. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. You supply all of my needs, Father. What has he supplied to you today? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, and he refreshes my soul. Lord, this week you have made me lie down in green pastures to experience your healing. Thank you, God, that you are faithful to provide the ups within the downs. As he refresh you this week, and if you need refresh refreshment, you can ask him for that as well. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Lord, use your staff to steer me from the wrong path or reaction in the days to come. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you, God, are with me. Jesus, you have brought us through dark valleys before, and we know you will do it again. Encourage me as we walk together, you and I. Remind me how closely you walk with me, God. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Lord, make my ears eager to hear you as you keep me close to your flock. What do you need the Lord to keep you from straying towards this week? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. In the midst of the dark valley, Father, you seat me in a place of abundance and victory, always. I know you will prevail despite what I see around me. And God, I know that your generosity will be overflowing. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, may I live in a way that my life will be characterized by your love for others. Father, draw me close to you that I might one day soon feast with you in the heavenly places. I long, O oh Father, to hear your words in real time. I crave them. Welcome home and well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen. I'm going to ask the worship team back up as we close in praise this morning. Hannah's story is a powerful one of strength, of courage, persistent prayer, and unwavering commitment to seeking God's faith. She faced challenging circumstances, felt discouraged and angry with God. Despite her challenges, feelings of rejection and abandonment, she did not stop praying. She prayed when she was unsure if she would ever have children. She prayed when God blessed her with a son. And she prayed when she had to live up to her promise, when she had to leave him there in the care of someone she barely knew. If you are in a season of ongoing adversity and challenges or opposition, I invite you to be encouraged this morning by Hannah's story, her resilience in seeking God's faith. Continue to be persistent in prayer. Surrender all of your emotions to God, the pretty ones and the ugly ones. Remember God's faithfulness to you. The Lord rewards faithfulness in due time. He always does. We've seen it in scripture, so he's gonna do it again. I encourage you that if this story sounds at all like what you were experiencing, torment, hardship, a valley. God is speaking to you. He is craving for you to open your eyes to the works in your life that he's doing. Because it's not that he's not working. It's that we're not looking. There is something big, big on the horizon. And I promise you, it will glorify him. Prayer is a powerful tool that God wants us to use to stay connected to him, to strengthen our spiritual maturity, and to use as a weapon to overcome the tactics of the enemy, the one who will never, ever win. When adversity comes, the good news is that God desires for us to draw closer to him, and we are victorious through Christ Jesus. Parkway, use his word we have it for a reason. If reading is difficult for you, read it out loud. Listen to it and repeat it. Pray it over your family. Pray it over yourself. It is not wrong to pray for yourself. It is there for you to draw from when you have nothing left. As we close today, I want to pray a portion of Hannah's prayer of praise over you. I want these words to soak into you that they might encourage you to press on, renew your strength to stand firm despite whatever might be going on in your life right now. And furthermore, I pray that her prayer of praise will soon be yours too. Let's stand as we pray together.
my heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn or my strength is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance, God. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance, for the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and he rises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He sets them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. Amen? The Most High will thunder from heaven, for the Lord will judge the ends of the earth. In his name we pray, and we proclaim these words over ourselves, our church, and our community. Amen. Let's worship together. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.